Let me ask you a question. What does it take to unlock potential, to discover what's truly possible in business, to create a new normal? It takes one thing, a leader who raises the bar, who sets bigger goals and higher standards for your business, your team, and most importantly, yourself. I'm your host, Katherine Binkley. I've scaled businesses for over 17 years, and I've helped my clients make millions of dollars without sacrificing their freedom by building and leading high-performing teams. Together, we're going to explore what it takes to elevate your leadership, your team, and your business. This is The Elevate Effect. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have Tracy with me. Tracy, welcome. Thank you. It's nice to be here. I appreciate it. Would you please introduce yourself and tell everyone about exactly what you do? Sure. My name is Tracy Lewis Stokel. I am an online course consultant and coach. And what I do is help people um, mainly get through the overwhelm of creating their first or their next course. I have a background in uh, corporate education as well as higher education and a master's degree in education. So my focus is making sure that my clients create a course that their audience is craving, um, that it turns their audience into raving fans and brings them back for more. That's awesome. How did you get into all of that? I'm curious. (laughs) It's really a very long, a long journey, but I uh, was divorced, um, 10 and a half years ago. And at that time, I had been running a business from home, a product business that wouldn't sustain us, um, myself and my two kids on our own. And my parents offered to help me out with tuition if I wanted to go back to school. I already had a bachelor's degree, but I decided to get a diploma in medical assisting so that, you know, medical is pretty recession proof uh, Mm -hmm. industry. I started medical assisting and I loved it. And after a few years of, of doing that and sort of just scraping by because it's not a really high income uh, career, the school that I went to contacted me and asked me if I'd be interested in coming back there as an instructor. And that sort of led me down this whole path of um, initially just being an adjunct part-time instructor, eventually running the program, and then going back to school to pursue my master's degree so that I could advance within the college and doing a lot, a lot of course creation and curriculum revamping and dealing with accreditors and things like that. And then the for-profit college industry uh, took a header, at least here in Minnesota. And I ended up taking a job with a hospital-based ambulance service as their director of education, well, yeah, director of education, and did so much more um, in terms of content creation and course creation. And eventually, I just decided that um, rather than work in the misogynistic industry that ambulance is, um, that I would like to work for myself again. And my intention was to transition very slowly. My boss was amazing. She was going to retire in uh, July of 2019. And I said, you know, when Deb goes, I go. I'm going to retire with her. So I started putting my plans in place. And she ended up retiring a year early. and because of how things, you know, kind of fell out, I said, well, when Deb goes, I go. And I decided to leave um, a little earlier than I was ready for, but it's, it's worked out. So um, I've been pursuing my business full time for just a little over a year now. Okay. 
Wow. So I can see how your background certainly plays into what you do now. I'm sure there's no way you saw that all coming though. No. Not at all, right? It's funny how that happens, isn't it? It's so interesting. You know, I would have never, a lot, a lot of the changes in my life I would have not, never asked for. Mm-hmm. But looking back, I wouldn't have changed anything. Like the, you know, the, the long and windy road has led me right to exactly to where I am and I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So I just have to ask because I always like to ask any guests on the show, what is it about what you do that really lights you up? So much. (laughs) I think the thing that really lights me up is so many of my clients come to me and the only thing that their course and that their program is lacking is their own self-confidence. I just had a call yesterday with a potential client and she said, I think it's really good, but I'd really like someone else to tell me that. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, you know, I I can always find things to tweak and ways to make things just a little better and you know, bring in the, the adult uh, psych- learner psychology that I know so well. But in the end, it's them walking away feeling confident and that tra- watching that transformation during the time we work together between them starting out not feeling so great about what they're putting out in the world to, you know, walking away knowing that they're putting out a great product and it's, it's really going to teach the thing that they intend to teach and create those raving fans that we want. Well, I can definitely relate. I understand that feeling and I'm so grateful that someone like you exists because after chatting with you recently and learning a bit more, like I I know I'm excited to continue to hear more from you and to even chat today some. So you're welcome. I know firsthand what it's like to, to have a ton of like a shit ton of experience in what I do, but then still question myself when it comes time to put it all into a nice little bow or this package to sell as a course. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference in more than a decade of working with people and being able to see in their face when the light bulb clicks and they get it. And if they struggle at all, being able to fill in the gaps and answer questions and really transitioning from that to trying to just, you know, package it all really nicely. And there, I think that it's actually been a struggle of mine as well because I've tended to want to put everything in to a program and then at other times feel like I'm not putting nearly enough and really trying to figure out that balance. And you're absolutely right. So much of it does come into come down to confidence. But mm-hmm. I know those are a couple of things that have weighed on my mind over the, the years as I've created programs. And I'm sure you come up you know, you hear a lot of other things as well, a lot of other challenges. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen? The biggest mistake that I see over and over, and it makes me crazy. Um, if you visit my Facebook page ever, you'll see at least one rant um, on the subject, is people reading their slides. Mm. There's, it, it's such a rookie mistake, and so many people do it. But I've seen actually really, really established course builders, uh, people who make a lot of money on their course launches still predominantly reading their slides. Your slides should be a visual. It should be something to look at and hold interest while you're, uh-huh. while you're speaking, especially, you know, if you're doing voiceover PowerPoint, but you don't need to have all the words on there. Um, there should be, you know, maybe a picture, maybe just a few points to remind you of what you're going to talk about. Every word that comes out of your mouth does not need to be printed on your slide. And that's, uh. that's the biggest one. And 
for me as a connoisseur of courses, I will turn it off. If I get, you know, I'm halfway through the first lesson and all they're doing is reading their slides to me, I'll stop and then I'll just read the transcript because then, you know, it makes more sense to do it that way. So that's the biggest one. I think the other thing um, that I see a lot is that they're not, uh, a lot of course creators just aren't including any reinforcement materials. So our, um, our brains need to encounter the same piece of knowledge 10 times in order to, to, you know, for it to be committed to memory. Mm-hmm. And we hear that in marketing too. You know, in marketing, they say it's seven times. You have to see the same message before you act. It's exactly the same thing with adult learners. And when you, you can talk about something, and hopefully you'll bring it up again later on in another lesson to reinforce it. But the best way to reinforce what you're trying to tell people is to give them sort of some sort of exercise, a worksheet, you know, if they're a workbook along with the course, especially if it's a concept that's sort of hard to grasp. We like to think that our learners will take notes on something that they want to remember for later, but chances are they're not going to unless you give them that worksheet, something to take notes on. And then that really reminds them that it's important. Mm, Yeah, that's so good. I've definitely seen the importance of having something to go along. So I hear what you're saying there. What, What would you say, maybe we can dive into this and you can guide this conversation, whatever direction you choose. But one topic I know I'm just interested in is kind of teeing up a training to make sure that there's some context beforehand to kind of attach the new learning to without going back to the very beginning or the basics, but also to make sure everyone's kind of starting from the same page or understanding. Like, I always just feel like I've got to say everything and tell them everything and that's not possible, nor is it really productive or helpful. Right. So the, what I teach my clients is that you need to have an outcome uh, for your course. So what is it that you're trying to get them to do? If it's, you know, maybe it's to create a graphic in Pinterest. So that's your end goal that at the end of your course, they're going to be able to successfully create a, you know, maybe a pin for Pinterest. um, And they're going to do that in, you know, in Canva or whatever. So the idea is that you work backwards from that end goal and everything that you include in your course should contribute in some way to that end goal. If all of a sudden you're talking about how to get on group boards in Pinterest and you're not talking about how to create that graphic, then that doesn't need to be in that lesson. You know, that's not something we need to be talking about. We're here to create a pin. That's what we're doing. So it really is kind of working backwards from that end goal and making sure, you know, and I, I'm going through the same thing right now and building my course. Like, what do I include? What don't I include? Should this be a separate course altogether? And you just keep measuring it by that, um, you know, kind of thermometer. Does, do I need this in order to create this outcome? Yes, I probably do. Then I'll include it. And if I don't, if it's just fluff, then we'll leave it out. I know that there's definitely benefit to uh, just-in-time learning, and it's not the approach that I took for a long time. I would consume anything and everything, and I think by nature, that's really what I needed to do at the time because I started out my career in full-service marketing agencies and had a wide variety of clients and could use anything and everything at any point. Literally, I was working with you know several clients at one time and lots of different projects, but now it's very different in, in online entrepreneurship. I found myself learning things. And I think you and I even chatted about this learning something and then you don't even need it until Mm -hmm. way down the road. And I have to be careful not to do that with my own clients, right? I want to make it available when they, 
really need to know and not just when they want to know because people ask you for things too. Right. That they don't even need to know yet. Yeah. And I would argue that your learning back when with the agency was just in time. Even though you yeah. studied all the things, it was that was exactly what you needed to know. Yeah, and I and I see that all the time too. People will, you know, will ask me about want to get on a strategy call with me about a course they're not ready to build. Mm-hmm. And I know from experience, like where you are right now and where you are going to be three months from now could be a totally different place. Let's okay. wait. Let's build your strategy when you're ready to dive in. Because if you're not ready now, you know, then it's just going to distract you from what you are doing, and you'll lose your focus. Yeah. I mean, I know how many times I've switched, you know, switched gears or changed things in my business and the outside looking in, you may be able to see some changes, but there are a lot of things behind the scenes that aren't even visible. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know based on just the changes that I've made and the different directions, like how many things I could have waited on or would have been a better fit at a different time, that kind of thing. And it it happens to all of us. Yep. Yeah. And that whole, um, the whole fear of missing out thing too, with courses, I, you know, and I'm the biggest when it comes to imposter syndrome and FOMO and all the stuff that, you know, well, maybe I should buy this now because it's on sale or the early bird price is going to end, even though I'm not going to look at this for, you know, a year from now, according to my long-term plan, maybe I should just get it now and then I'll have it. And that's um, something that we all get sucked into with courses too. Yeah, absolutely. I've done that as well. I've got, I know I have one course sitting there waiting right now that I knew that I would want to tackle in 2019, but not at the beginning of 2019. Mm-hmm. And so it's still on my to-do list at some point, but at least I'm not trying to dive into that material when I know I don't need it yet. Right. Um, but it's sitting there waiting. So I'm guilty of that too. I think it's okay that I'm not going to like beat myself up over it, but you're absolutely right. right. That's definitely something to keep in mind. So one thing to help with that. I think it's just to mention to everyone how quickly things change in the online space. Mm-hmm. And if you buy something, knowing that you don't really need it right now, so much will change by the time you actually implement. And we're talking even if it is a few months from now, and hopefully the course creator keeps things updated, but there's no guarantee of that. And so maybe it's a good idea to hold off until you know that you need it. And I've done this where, and I hope, like, I hope if that the out there in the podcast world that everybody's raising their hand and saying me too, but I get to the end of the year and I'm organizing my receipts for taxes and I find receipts for courses that I bought that I forgot that I bought and that I, I don't remember how to access. And you get back in touch with the course creator and say, oh, hey, I bought this and I don't think I ever got the login information and they're no longer even supporting that course anymore because wow. you know, they've, they've switched gears in their business and they're going in a different direction. So, you know, like there's so many people out there that are creating courses. It's a multi, multi-billion dollar industry, but not everybody's going to survive it. So yeah. I think in a lot of cases, buying a course that you're not planning to even, you know, access for several months is a, maybe a bad plan because you never know yeah. where that person's business is going to be. Right. Okay. So that's, a, that's definitely a valid point. But let's look at that from the other side, from imagining our audience, not just as those consuming courses, which we all are but also those creating them. So how can we make sure that the listeners today create courses that will survive? What are some tips that you have from your area of expertise? Because it's beyond just creating a course. Right. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think one of the biggest things in my, the thing that I say all the time is people don't say nice things about courses they didn't finish. 
So there's a few things that come into that. And the first thing is follow up after the sale. And, you know, this is just classic customer service. But I can't tell you how many times I've purchased something and I never, you know, I never hear from that person again. Mm -hmm. They don't check in to see how the course is going. They don't touch base with me. They don't ask me if I'm satisfied. There's nothing. So I think that's a huge part of it, making sure that you're going back to the people who purchase your courses and say, hey, how's it going? Is there something else you need? Um, I'm always, always asking for feedback. If somebody's struggling with something, I'm not necessarily, you know, they didn't buy that as part of the course. It's not necessarily something I'm going to give them, but I still need to know that I missed something in the course that when I, you know, when I update it, there's something else that needs to be added. Um, so that's the first thing, like just making sure that your learner remembers that they bought the course so that they'll actually take it yeah. because you're touching base with them. But then the other thing is that just really making sure that your learners can stay engaged in what you're offering. And I think the easiest way to do that is to give them wins throughout the course. So you're going back to our Pinterest graphic, making sure that we give them something in that very first lesson that they can actually execute and feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're going to send them out to find, um, um, you know, photos, stock photos to use in their pins. And then they're going to have this library of stock photos that they've upgraded, you know, uploaded to Canva. Well, there's a win. And now they're already excited, but they've got one hard thing done. They're going to proceed to the next lesson where we'll give them another little win. As long as we keep sort of reinforcing, it's just like with little kids, you know, good job, look what you did. Now let's, you know, let's build on that and do something else. Then they're going to keep progressing through the course and they won't stall out as easily as if you save like the project till the very, very end. So we want to give them wins, give them early, give them often. Um, and make sure that they're, you know, progressing through the course and not getting stuck somewhere and needing help or just forgetting that it exists. And it doesn't matter how good a job you do. If someone says, hey, did you take Tracy's course? And they're like, oh, yeah, I started, but I didn't finish it. Then they don't say nice things. And that's not what we want. We want raving fans. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, those are some incredible tips there for everyone to, to implement. And You've got me thinking about how to make sure that I've got quick wins <laughs> throughout all of my programs. Like, hmm, because sometimes there may be like this bigger um, deliverable later on that we're building towards, but there are certainly some quick wins. And hopefully I've done that through some of the exercises and workbooks that I've provided, but I'm definitely sitting here spinning thinking <laughs> that I do that. So definitely something for us to all go back and check. But secondly, like I want to, I'm just really curious about diving into each individual lesson or module. Is there a certain kind of a framework that you like to use to, for example, like addressing the importance up front and then delivering the content and then the call to action? I mean, I know from a marketing standpoint, there are certain ways that we structure messaging. And I'm just curious if there's something similar to like tee up the, the lesson. If there's, I'm sure there's multiple ways, but is there any advice around that that you can give? There are multiple ways. The, the way that they teach teachers is to basically tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them the thing, and then tell, you them, what you, you know, tell them what you told them. So that's your, your three basic points, you know, that when we're talking about those 10 points of repetition. I feel like that comes off kind of, I don't know, even know, scripted. Like when you, you know, today we're going to talk about this thing. And then you talk about the thing and they go, hey, well, that's it. We talked about the thing. Like, it just doesn't seem natural. It doesn't flow for most people. Mm -hmm. Even um, when I would sit in and observe my instructors in my program at the college, 
when they do that, it, it doesn't sound natural. My, my, the, so two, two things. The, the approach that I think um, is most effective is to sort of recap whatever you've already just talked about. And kind of like when you watch a television show on our last episode, we saw, mm-hmm. you know, this, this thing happen. And now we start from there and move forward. I think that's super effective from an education standpoint, and it also takes into account that maybe your learners, you know, they've been busy at work. They haven't, you know, they haven't watched the last lesson. It's been a couple weeks, so you need to recap a little bit. I also, though, like to not do that in some cases because then all of your modules of your course stand alone, and you can pull them out, use them as a freebie or an opt-in. You can, you know, if you have a client that's struggling with something, you can just say, hey, here's this one module. So um, I think the best way to do it is just to make sure that at the end of your lesson that you summarize pretty heavily what those in, in you know, what, what the, um, the fine points were. If you look at any textbook, you know, you, they've got all of, the, all of the things in the lesson at the end, a glossary and a summary. If we're doing that with our lessons, I think that we're really pounding home um, what the idea is. And also not being afraid to, like in the course of, you know, delivering your lecture, if you will, because I'm a college instructor at heart, saying things over and over again is perfectly okay. I just reviewed a course for a client um, and she was, you know, talking on a subject and trying to drive home that if you don't do this correctly, you could end up in some legal trouble. And she said the same thing probably four or five times with varying degrees of intensity within, you know, just a few sentences. And it was marvelous. No one who takes her course is ever going to forget that lesson. And, you know, they're not going to make that mistake. And if they do, they can't say that she didn't tell them so. I mean, it was, it was really, really powerful. So I think a lot of times we're like, well, I don't want to repeat myself. I don't want it to be boring. No, it's okay to repeat yourself. If it's important to say once, go ahead and say it again. Yeah, you're right. Going back to the the thing you said earlier about needing to hear something 10 times to commit it to memory. Yep. Yeah, that's good. I was just thinking back to college. I I was actually a psychology major, philosophy minor, and um, also very active in dance. Um, We didn't have that as a, a major when I was in college, but if we had, I may have pursued it. But I did take a class and it, it was actually an independent study on dance pedagogy, which is all about the study of like teaching, right? Mm-hmm. I remember doing lesson plans like, and having to collaborate with both our um, dance instructor and also the director over the education department. And I wasn't in any of those classes, but I had to learn how to create lesson plans and like, I'm like, I don't even remember what I did, but I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, oh, I used to have to do that for that one independent study. And granted, it was, it was certainly different since it was about dance and it was very much more um, a physical uh, type of class versus teaching language around something or like I wasn't teaching dance history or something, right? But it would still be fascinating to go back and look at that. I'm sure there are some parallels that you've seen or experienced um, between creating lesson plans like a, a typical teacher does every day, day in, day out, and then what's needed for an online course. Absolutely. I mean, the thing about a lesson plan is, you know, you're basically laying out what you intend to teach, which, you know, course outline probably in my, in my terms, 
but then also looking at what order do things need to come in. So, you know, with dance, you can't teach, you know, one thing before the thing that's going to make that possible. You know, if, if you haven't taught them how to, I don't know, pirouette, maybe you can't teach them how to leap. I don't know what kind of dance we're talking about. Yeah. But yeah, making sure that they have, the, like, you're doing it in the right order so you've got the basis to, to build on. And then the other thing about a lesson plan is making sure that you're prepared for every one of those lessons. Mm-hmm. So what do I need to know when I walk into the classroom? Or what do I need to know when I turn on my microphone and I record this lesson? Making sure that, you know, that you're ready to teach that. And it's, it's so similar, really. Like people are like, it's, you know, teaching online is nothing like teaching in classroom. And I would agree that in terms of engagement and being able to like watch and say, okay, my students have all fallen asleep. That's different between a classroom and online, but being prepared to deliver your lecture and, and the responsibility for making sure that you don't all of a sudden just say, oh, wait, let me look that up. I've got it. Like, I, you know, I'm not really sure what I was talking about. And now I have to, you know, get the facts or whatever. Like, it's, it's, it's the same. You want to be polished and ready to rock and roll when you turn that microphone on. It needs to be professional and sound good. Or again, just like people who read their slides, your, your audience is going to stop. They're going to stop yeah. listening and watching. Right. Wow. Okay. So any other tips or things that you know that the audience needs to hear if they're going out to start creating a course literally later today? What are some other things to consider? I know you can't tell them everything they need to know, but what are some things that they need top of mind? Oh boy. The wins and engagement is, is big. Um, I think the other thing is that you have to be really clear on who your audience is. And I mean, and I mean like crystal clear, you have to be able to picture like my audience is, is this way that will help you develop every part of your course. If you know, um, maybe your course has like an artistic, um, feel to it, you're teaching painting or underwater basket weaving, then there's a, that your, your people are going to relate better to pictures and less to words and, you know, the, the intellectual components you want to make in, they want a platform that's pretty, you know, like if you're dealing with people that are really technical, you're teaching something super technical, then they're going to want something that's not as pretty, that looks more smart. I don't can't let a loss of words today. Yeah. Um, but, but something that matches their level of technicality. And if you're, if you're dealing with like where I'm teaching computer programming, it's really important to make sure that you're teaching at their level and not below their level versus, you know, teaching beginning Facebook ads or something where we just mm-hmm. assume automatically that the only thing they've ever heard of is a pixel and maybe not even that. So th- those things are really important. Just knowing who they are, knowing what it is that they need exactly so that you're not, so you're not wasting an opportunity to engage them uh, from the beginning. And, you know, people come to me all the time. The biggest question I get asked is what platform do I choose to build my course on? The, the short answer is it doesn't really matter. But the, the long answer is it just depends on who you're building it for. You have to know, like, you know, my audience is going to demand this level or, you know, they're just here to get the, get the information and they're not going to care what the course looks like. It's, I mean, it's yeah. just one of those things that just being really, really clear on who they are. Obviously, what problem you're solving for them because that is the ultimate goal that you know what that outcome needs to be and that you deliver on that outcome so that they come back to you. Yeah, so many good nuggets in here. If 
you're listening and you're considering creating a course, this has certainly given you some things to think about and to make sure are present, but there's a whole lot more. A lot more. So much more. (laughs) And so if they want to know more about uh, creating a course, not just any course, but one that the students actually will take away what they intend and implement and get that good feedback that you mentioned um, once they actually finish the course, because it's good. Uh, what, where do they need to go to learn more? Well, um, I am always at uh, my website, tracyteaches.biz, and also on Facebook um, on my Tracy Teaches page, just facebook.com slash tracyteaches. I um, am in the process of putting the finishing touches on a program called Create the Course Your Audience Craves, which is there'll be a, an evergreen course or a VIP experience, we're calling it, where you get a little bit of me involved in that, some weekly Q&As and even some content review as part of that program. That will be launching. Um, the goal is September 9th. If uh, the good Lord's willing and the crick don't rise, that will be the day that she goes live. So you'll be able to find out about that by visiting um, tracyteaches.biz. Awesome. And we will make sure to link that in the show notes for everyone. Um, Definitely go check it out. I had the opportunity to chat with Tracy earlier Mm -hmm. and kind of have a little bit of an idea of what's going into that. And it looks incredible. So be sure to check it out. If you are um, building a course, then I think it's, a must that you go check it out. You owe yourself to at least go take a look. Thanks so much for joining me today, Tracy. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to talking to you soon. Yes, it's been fun. Thanks. If you're loving what you're learning on the podcast, subscribe and leave a five-star review. And if you send me a screenshot of that review, I'll give you free access to my CEO scorecard. This is the same tool I use with my multiple six and seven figure clients to help them up-level their role as CEO and achieve massive results. This resource is typically available exclusively to clients in my coaching program, The Elevate Effect. If you're ready to learn how to elevate your leadership, your team, and your business, head over to katherinebinkley.com forward slash The Elevate Effect and join us to reach your next level of success.